Are you looking for a way to deepen your prayer life and faith this Advent season? A Contemplative Las Posadas by Bill Snyder is a novena that offers reflections based on the traditional Mexican devotion that reenacts the journey of Saint Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The ecclesiastically approved devotional is available for purchase for only $4.99 on our website, patchworkheart.org, or emailing info at patchworkheart.org. 20th century philosopher Jerry Seinfeld once said, changing your religion is not like changing toothpaste. There's a lot more to it than that. He was right. I was raised a Protestant. I worked in ministry for 22 years. I led people to Christ for a job. I often led them out of Catholicism. Then something unexpected, amazing, and terrifying began to happen to me. God began to show me the truth about a treasure I had never considered. In 2017, I resigned from my job as a pastor in a Protestant church, and I became a Roman Catholic. What's it like to go from being an evangelical Protestant to being a Roman Catholic? There's so much to discover and experience in the Catholic Church, but for converts, it can be tough to know where to start. When you join the church, you know things will be different, but what will it feel like? What can you expect in your first year in the church? How do you tell your friends what you've done? How do you deal with their reactions? How do you find your way into this ancient treasure of truth, beauty, and power? These were my questions. These were my struggles. And what began as a quest for the truth has become the faith adventure of a lifetime. And it all starts when you say yes to God and you come home. The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, your first year in the church, is a guidebook for new converts designed to help them as they take their first steps in the church. This book walks you through your first year in the church, but you know what? It will also help anyone who's interested in growing in their experience as a Catholic. In this book, I cover ideas like, why do people convert in the first place? How to tell your family and friends? How to find a local church to call home? Plus. We will walk through the Mass together, discussing the various elements of worship and how they compare to what you've been used to as a Protestant. I talk about which books to start reading, which devotions to pray, and much more. The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism can help you as you dig deep into the treasure of what Jesus promised would stand even against the gates of hell. His church. His bride. His family. So join me in this journey. Join me in this adventure. It won't be easy, but nothing worth doing ever is.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition for Hungry for More. I'm your host, Al Smith, Pipe Padre, and uh, uh, today, again, the set is busy. We've got lots on the go. Of course, uh, we're excited to have a good friend in the house today, Keith Nestor, and you might have seen from the video that uh, we showed at the beginning of our show, uh, Keith's got a unique journey. He's going to share some of his story with us and a number of the projects he's involved with, but we're going to begin with prayer as we always do, and I'll have my producer, Kent Kohalski, bring up on the screen a beautiful prayer invoking the help of St. Teresa of Avila. So please join me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I uh, want to bring on to the set now my good friend Keith Nestor, all the way from Iowa. And uh, again, Keith uh, may be a familiar face to some of you, uh, but uh, to others, uh, he may be a new face. And so, uh, again, I think people who tuned into that little promo video uh, about your book, Keith, uh, kind of are, um, you know, putting in, filling in the gap, saying, ah, a man who was a pastor who converted to Catholicism and has been on a great journey for the last few years. So uh, welcome to Hungry for More, Keith Nestor. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate being here. You've got a pretty awesome show going on here, so I'm privileged to be a part of it. Well, we've been at it since 2014. And um, again, we, we consider ourselves the lifers. We've been there uh, when this was new. Uh, podcasting seemed to be uh, the new rave. And, uh, but we stuck with it. And, uh, you know, many episodes later, we're still here. And so, uh, again, the name of the show, Hungry for More. People are hungry for more things about the faith and are very interested in uh, stories like your own, where uh, you leave um, your you know, your position as a pastor, and of course, uh, are called into the Catholic Church. So, uh, Keith, give us a little bit of the background of your story. I know that you are a family man, and you have uh, uh, lots going on in your life, but uh, for our viewers, especially our viewers in Asia Pacific, uh, the many uh, people who are tuning in in Australia and the Philippines through AWTN Asia Pacific, uh, again, give us a uh, Give us the Coles notes on your journey, please. And thank you. Well, I want to say hi to all my friends over in Asia Pacific. Um, it's good to see all of you and be with all of you. So, yeah, I was um, a Protestant pastor in a different, lots of different expressions of that. Um, I was a youth pastor for a while, a worship leader, a missions pastor, senior pastor, associate pastor. I've done lots of things in, in full-time vocational ministry over about a 22-year period of time. Um. But I grew up the son of a pastor. My dad is a minister and he's retired now. So I kind of always grew up going to church and, you know, considered myself a Christian. But um, to get into ministry, that wasn't something I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be a musician. And, and like a lot of people, we have our own paths and God intervenes and we wind up in different places. And for me, um, when I was just barely 20, I wound up. Uh, as a, a youth pastor in a Methodist church, a little church in uh, Iowa. Um, I got married about a year after I started there. And um, my wife and I were beginning our family and I was watching my little youth group begin to grow, working hard and trying to do what God wanted me to do. And it was in the middle of 
of that process where um, I became exposed to the Catholic church, you know, in a way that, that really was, was powerful. I mean, growing up, I had no concept of Catholicism, no idea about it. The only, the only things I knew about the Catholic church were things that I thought were bad because I didn't know any Catholics and I was very evangelical and, 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 you know, into that type of, of faith experience. And when you only hear from people who are not Catholic, what the Catholic church teaches, you wind up with a lot of misconceptions. And certainly that's what I had. So when I was doing some work in my youth ministry, I needed to get a graphic design logo made for my, for my youth group. And I wound up um, talking to this man who was very excited about what I was doing, but um, he wanted to meet with me and show me some of his work. And so I went over to his house. His name is Devin. And when I got to his house, I was a little bit thrown off by the statues he had on his porch. And I recognized the Virgin Mary. I didn't know anybody else, maybe St. Francis or something. Um, I, I, I didn't really, I thought maybe they were the wise men or something. I mean, it was, it was St. Joseph, of course. And, and went into this guy's house and his house was like completely decked out in icons, statues. I mean, it looked like a shrine in his house and it freaked me out. And I sat down at his, at his dining room table and we started talking about Jesus and about the ministry. And it was clear to me, this guy, this guy had a strong faith in Christ, but I was feeling a disconnect with the Catholicism part of it. And I finally just decided to ask him about it. And I said, look, it's clear to me that you love Jesus, but what's with all this Catholic stuff, man. And how does that play? And he just started laughing and he's like, and he began to share his faith journey with me. And I, it was, it was so incredible to me because I kept thinking to myself, I really like this guy. So I need to save him. So I'll just read to him some Bible verses. I'm just going to show him a few things, challenge him a little bit. It won't be difficult because it hadn't been difficult for me in the past because it seems like a lot of people wanted to leave Catholicism, including my wife. She was raised Catholic her whole life, went to Catholic school. They never went to church, of course. So when her and I met, I said, Hey, um, do you go to church? I wanted to, to date someone who's a Christian. And she said, she said, well, I'm Catholic, but I never go to church, you know? And I said, oh, well, come with me. So she said, okay. So she came to this church I was going to, and she never looked back, you know? Um, so to me, it was super easy to get rid of people's Catholic faith and make them Protestant. So that's what we started to do. We started to go back and forth and argue, but this guy was really, really sharp. He was really smart. And he had, he had a lot of, of wisdom and a lot of knowledge and, our relationship began to turn into sort of this like friendly rivalry where I would try to convert him and he would try to convert me. I think a lot of converts go through that. And, um, you know, eventually he, he had another friend who invited me and my friend, Devin, his name was Greg. And he took a, he was taking a pilgrimage and he invited me to come with him. And I'm like, you don't even know me. And you want to take me on a trip? He's like, yep, I'm going to pay for you to go to on this trip. So where are we going? He says, we're going to this place called Mejigoria and we're going to Rome. And I thought, well, I know about Rome. I don't know about Mejia, whatever, but you know, who cares? I'm getting a free trip to Rome. Well, when I got on the bus to take, to go to the airport, they start praying the rosary. And I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into this idolatry, this, this, you know, pagan stuff. And I was totally freaked out, but I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go along with it. And so we went on this trip and I learned two things about Catholics on that trip. I learned that they, that I learned that Catholics really know how to party because they had an, an incredible blast the whole time. I'd never been around a group of people that were Christians that had so much fun just in their faith and with each other. It was, it was, we laughed the whole time. It was incredible. And they loved, so that's number one, Catholics love to party and they love to pray. 
And I'd never seen, I'd never seen anybody, Catholic Protestant, or who loved to pray the way that these Catholics prayed. And while I was on that trip, I learned a lot of things. You know, I, I didn't really understand all the Mejigoria stuff. You know, um, I'd heard about everything when I was over there, but I didn't really know what to do with that part of it. But what I experienced was Catholics who had a love of, of the Blessed Mother, who that, that relationship with her, how they worship Jesus through that. And that like, that really, really blew me away. Well, when we got back from that trip, I continued in, in growing my youth ministry and growing my family. I have, you know, we have three kids. And um, my studies of Catholicism, I kind of was, I was interested in it, but I got to a point where I felt like God was maybe calling me to become Catholic, but I was terrified because, you know, that's your job. And when you have kids and a mortgage and that's your full-time job, you don't just go, Hey, all right, we're going to go to this church instead. Like I I couldn't comprehend it. So I, I like completely chickened out. I just was like, I'm done with this. It's too freaky. It scared me, you know? And for many years, I didn't think about it again. And, you know, life had some twists and turns and, um, I took many different paths in, in, in the next, you know, 10 years or so. And in about 2015, I was in, a, it, I was working as an associate pastor in a Methodist church here in the town I live in now. And our denomination was, was really going through some heavy duty stuff, Alan. I mean, it was really starting to splinter apart. A lot of the more like mainline liberal Protestant denominations are, are going through some of the same stuff. And, and our church was, my local church was, was a great church, but our denomination was, was really beginning to come unraveled and it was bothering me. And I found myself having all these conversations with people about things like church authority, about things like um, the traditions of the church and scripture. And I found myself sounding a lot more like a Catholic when I would have these arguments than a Protestant, because I would talk about, well, this is what the church has always taught. And they would say things like, well, that's just your interpretation. And who cares what the church always taught? You know, the church is wrong and we're going to fix it. And that just to me was like, what are you talking about? And I even had a, a friend of mine who's a pastor. And at one point in time, she said to me, she said, well, if you believe all this church teaching, all this church history stuff and all this church tradition, then why aren't you a Catholic? If, if you think that there's this authority in the church someplace, then you should be a Catholic. And I was like, oh man. So I'm going through this, 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 uh, tumultuous experience trying to figure this all out. And right around that same time, my friend Greg, the one who had taken me to Mejigoria the first time, he came up and, and said, hey, I want to take you to this movie. So he and his wife took me and my wife to go see Apparition Hill, which is a documentary about Mejigoria. I hadn't thought about Mejigoria in years, you know, but we went to go see this film and I'm already kind of churned up thinking about some Catholic stuff. And when I saw the film, it just brought a lot of things back to me and it really like began to stir in my heart. So I started like, you know, just dipping my toe in a little bit, Alan, going to daily mass. And that was blowing my mind. I started talking to a local priest in town and he was, he was really helpful to me. And then I had this incredible experience with the blessed Virgin Mary that to me was like nothing I ever would have anticipated. I was getting ready to preach a sermon series in Advent. And the sermon I had to preach was called who gets the news. And it was basically about the annunciation. Now, remember I'm a Protestant pastor in a Protestant church And I'm in my office writing this sermon about when Mary will receive the news from the angel Gabriel. And every time I would read about her or think about her, I would start to cry. And I felt this incredible wave of emotion coming over me that I couldn't understand. I'm like, what is happening to me here? And I, I was preparing this message and it felt like the power of the Holy spirit was, was coming on to me. And when I went into the church to preach it, I preached this sermon that would basically be, you know, 
a Catholic apologetics workshop on the doctrines of the Virgin Mary. And I had no idea I was doing that. I talked about how she was the new Ark of the Covenant, how she was the new Eve, how she was full of grace, how Gabriel gives her this incredible greeting that he doesn't give to Zechariah just, you know, just before that, who was the high priest. And, and, and I felt this incredible presence. And the people in the church, they were like, whoa, what is this? And they loved it. They, they thought it was incredible. Well, I was explaining this to my friend Greg, who came to see me one day. I said, I'm, I'm getting all emotional when I think about the Virgin Mary. And I don't know what to do with that. And then he starts crying and he's like, this, something's going on here. And I could just feel her pulling me into this thing. And all of these, these objections and all the stuff that a lot of Protestant converts go through with, oh, well, I could never believe this. I could never, it was just sort of like she went around all that and went right here. And finally, the night that I knew I had to convert, I was um, in this church. I walked into this church. I had no idea I was going to be there that night long story about how I got there. I'll, I'll, I'll spare that for you. But I, I wound up going to this church um, to hear Steve Ray give a talk about how the early church martyrs would give up their whole life, you know, to follow the Lord. And when I walked into the church, they were having mass and I, and I went up to the front to get my blessing, you know, cause I couldn't receive. And I knelt, I went over to the side, I knelt down, I looked up at the cross, the crucifix. And I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you want me to become Catholic, I'll do it, but you've got to make a way. Um, because I, I don't know what to do. You know, I'd had conversations with my dad about this and he said, you can't just quit your job. What are you going to do? There's got to be a path. There's got to be a way, you know, you got three kids, you got a, you got a career. What are you, what are you going to do? And I, and I, as I pray, I said, Lord, I'll, I'll do this, but you got to make a way. And, and the Lord spoke to me, Alan. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. You don't need me to make a way. You just need me. And, and I knew in that moment that it was about the Eucharist and that Jesus was there and that all I really needed to do was just trust him and follow him and not worry about everything else. Not worry, like Jesus is not a means to an end. You know, he's the end. And I want, I wanted a, a, a situation where it all be laid out before me so I knew I could handle it. And he wasn't going to do that. He said, you got you to gotta walk by faith and not by sight. And uh, that night we drove home and I told my friend, I said, that's it, I'm doing this. And that was like the spring of 2017, I think. And I went home. I told my wife, I said, I said, I'm going to resign my job. We're going to become Catholic. She said, okay, that's what you feel like the Lord's calling us to do. So I went in the next morning, told my senior pastor, said, I'm, I, I need to resign. I'm going to become a Catholic. And he couldn't believe it. You know, we were building a $10 million building on the other side of town. Our church was blowing up things were going great. And my last Sunday there was the day we broke ground on our new facility that we'd been working on for 10 years. Um, and, uh, you know, that was October 8th of uh, 2017. And uh, it's been an incredible ride since. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's kind of the, the overview. It's kind of a long overview though. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm just saying, tell me more, tell me more, because it's so interesting. I mean, the hand of God it was upon you and still is upon you. And, um, you know, I think we're all kind of saying what's next. And uh, I tell you how God is such a show off. This gentleman that you talk about, Devin Shaft, um, you mentioned him, Devin, but I, I've known Devin since 2014. Okay. Um, and uh, again, I'm up in Canada. I'm, I'm hundreds and thousands of miles away, but for whatever reason, the Lord had me cross paths with Devin. Uh, so back in 2014, oh, and wow. his love for the faith, his love for St. Joseph, mm -hmm. um, I tell you, he is an excellent writer, and I know he's uh, partnered with you um, in, again, the ministries that uh, 
again, the blanket or the uh, larger ministry. And we'll talk a little bit about that yeah. later. Uh, but again, it just shows how God uses people and we're all connected. So, um, and I always say the church is a big church, but it's a small church too. It's amazing how as you travel, you'll start to meet people who know people. And um, again, it is a universal church, but sometimes it is small and intimate. So uh, that is amazing. So uh, you land in the Catholic church yep. and of course the Lord put it on your heart uh, to say, I, I think you need to write about this experience and you've put together an excellent book of reflections and uh, simply uh, called, you know, the convert's guide to your first year in the church. And uh, tell us about that book. Tell us about uh, you know, the promptings to write it and sure. how you put everything together, because I think it is an excellent read. And we'll, of course, we'll bring up the links throughout the show of where people can purchase the book. But uh, I tell you, I think it is a playbook. I think that so many people need uh, because we all have friends that, uh, you know, go into RCIA and uh, of course enter the church and uh, many people waiting on the wings. But I think if they read this book, I think it would give them a bit of confidence to make that plunge. So uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, for starters, I was never planning to write a book. Like I'd have some people that would say to me sometimes, Hey, Keith, you should write a book. And I'd always be like, no, we, you know, the world doesn't need another convert book. You know, there's so many incredible conversion stories out there. And I, I, I didn't feel like, like what's so special about what I would do. So I, I was never on my radar. Um, I was, you know, working as a professional photographer. I was, I was trying to do everything I could. Cause when I quit my job, at the church, you know, my income went, you know, to like 40% of what it was because my wife and I have a photography business, but that was more of like a, a supplemental thing. And now all of a sudden that has to be everything. So I went to work just like crazy trying to build this business up so we could, so we could survive, you know, and, and I didn't have time to think about writing books or anything like that. I, and I was, I was just so excited and jazzed to be Catholic. I didn't want to do anything. You know, my priest said to me, he said, Keith, I'm going to leave you alone for a year. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything for a year. And I said, okay, because I didn't know. I thought, well, okay, am I supposed to start volunteering for stuff? Am I supposed to like, like get, try to do things and like be in ministry and everything? And he said, no, he said, just be fed, just be fed for a year. And so I did, I came to, I went to mass every chance I could. I did everything I could possibly do, but I was never in the mindset of, oh, I'm going to like try to have a ministry or anything. I would give talks here and there. Um, but very rarely, about a year after uh, my conversion, the same friend, Greg, who took me to Mejigori in 2003, I think it was, and Devin was on that trip too. He said, let's go back. You're Catholic now. You need to go back as a Catholic. And I want Estelle to come. That's my wife. So we went to uh, Mejigori again, this time as a Catholic. And my, my, my first year anniversary in the church was, was, uh, um, my last day in Mejigoria, I believe, or it was my first day in Mejigoria, one of the two. Anyway, it was like my one-year deal, and it was an incredible trip, and, and it was amazing, and God did some incredible things, like specifically for my wife on that trip. Well, as we're riding the bus from uh, Mejigoria to split Croatia, at 520, everybody stops what they're doing to pray, and so we're praying on the bus, and as we're praying, I just get this lightning bolt that hits me from heaven, and I grab my phone and I start typing on my phone and my wife's like, what are you doing? We're praying the rosary. What are you, what are you doing? And I just held up my phone and I said, this is the book I have to write. And it was like an instant download. Boom. And I, I said, the convert's guide to Catholicism, your first year in the church. 
And I got off the bus. I went to my friend Greg. I said, it's, I got it. I got, I have the book that I need to write. And he was like, wow, that's amazing. So we got home. That was in October. And that year or that, that winter, I went away to a monastery and spent about um, three or four chunks of maybe four days where I could get away and just writing and writing and writing. And what I wanted to do was not necessarily write my conversion story, but I wanted to write a book that was for converts, not an apologetics book to try to make people Catholic. I wanted to write a book for people who were in that journey or on that journey of becoming Catholic. And then this would help them in that transition because there's so much transition that people go through. And I think a lot of cradle Catholics don't, don't quite understand how much of a culture shock it is to converts when they come into the Catholic church. And nobody explains that stuff to you. You know, you go through RCIA, which I didn't do by the way, but you go through RCIA or classes and you're going to learn a lot of head knowledge, but nobody's going to tell you, well, this is what it's going to feel like, or this is how your family might react. What, you, what should you do? Or what are the things that you need to do once you become Catholic in your first year? Which prayers are you supposed to pray? Which devotions should you take up? Which books should you read? How do you find a local church? All the practical stuff, you know? So, so that's what I wanted to do. And when I was writing the book, I found that I weaved a lot of my own personal stories into that and how I learned these lessons and where, where these ideas came from. And it's, so it's a very like, it's kind of, um, you know, a memoir of my own journey and it's, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty transparent and open about how I process things. And some of it is, is, you know, I process things good. And sometimes I process things bad and it's just sort of out there for people, but I've heard that it's been very helpful to people. And I'm, I'm always thrilled when I hear somebody has read it, when they contact me and say, Hey, I loved your book. I thought it was great. It just, it blows my mind. Cause I never thought in a million years I would ever write a book. Um, but now I've got like two or three other ones kind of like you do like up in my brain, like, okay, I got to write this book. I got to write that. So I really enjoyed it. Right. I mean, I love the chapter on smells and bells. And I think um, sometimes I, I just, um, I mean, the church is a rich storehouse of tradition and it's just a treasure chest. And, you know, I still, um, every time I go to adoration, I'm moved. Like it's this encounter with God that he's waiting there in the church for me. And I sit and sometimes I just sit and just sit but he's there, he's there. And uh, just that alone is sometimes worth the price of admission. <laughs> I, oh, I always, I mean, Fulton Sheen said he, he would, uh, you know, um, he would encourage people. He'd say, listen, I, I wanna give you one little test. He says, I dare everyone to just go and find a Catholic church, open the door and just sit inside for 15 minutes to an hour and just sit there. Mm. And I am convinced that you will know that there is something very special. And he put that challenge out when he was on the radio for many years. And people share with him time and time again, they converted because they would set their foot in a Catholic church when no one's looking. And they would just be in the presence of the Lord and say, there's something here for me. And uh, it's not just something, it's someone. And that Amen. is Christ. So I'm sure you are every day just finding another treasure, another treasure, another treasure. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, with the Catholic church, and I know like you have this, this ministry devoted to, to, um, you know, Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, but like, that's like, there's so many of these saints and everything that I'm just learning about and can, and like, and you know, you know who they are, but you haven't like studied them or whatever. And, and you could spend your whole life 
learning about the incredible treasures that exist in the Catholic Church and only scratch the surface. It's it's so exciting. I mean, people oftentimes are like, oh man, the Catholic Church is so boring. I could never be, and I'm like, are you insane? Are you paying attention? It's the most incredible thing on the planet, you know? It's so amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, I had somebody say to me one time, oh, well, you're just excited. This was a couple of years ago. You're just excited. You'll get over that. And, and I haven't. I'm more excited today than I was ever. Yes. And, you know, it's funny how um, the Lord, sometimes I like to say tricks us, but it's a good trick. And I remember, uh, you know, people who know me know that I've been on the radio uh, for many years. And in fact, uh, it was in 2006 uh, that a friend and I went into a community radio station and he was asked to do a, a rosary show. And I said, I'll accompany you, you know, I'll be your sidekick. And if something happens, I'll fill in. Well, he only lasted two weeks. And then the next thing you know, I'm called to the microphone. And I've been doing that every Sunday morning since 2006. <laughs> and every Sunday I have to do the rosary, the chaplet of dying mercy and the lives of the saints. And it's amazing. I've been reading about the lives of the saints now for <laughs> 15 years. And I tell you, God tricked me. He says, you know, I'll get you into this radio station and you just, you know, you're just filling in. But now here I am. And so uh, it's the Rosary Show that then led into the Bishop Sheen Show. And uh, in 2012, I started to share Bishop Sheen on the radio. So uh, again, um, Our Lady had her hand on it and uh, she does this to her children. And, um, you know, you let don't see just, it coming. Let me just say something about that that I feel is really, really important. Alan, is this, you were put in that situation, but you had to make a choice and you chose to just like step up and do it. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people fall down because I mean, you didn't, it wasn't like you said, Hey, I want to have this radio show and I want to do all this stuff. And here, here, I'm going to, you know, it wasn't like you, uh, you know, elbowed your way into that situation. You went with somebody else and, and, and that was put in front of you, but then you had to say yes. You know, and I think about Our Lady when, when, when she was approached by the angel Gabriel and, you know, he, she never asked for that. She never said, hey, I want to be a great saint. I want to be the mother of God. I want, you know, she didn't have anything. He came to her and he gives her that. And, and, and what does she do? She, even though it terrifies her a little bit, she says, be it done unto me according to thy word. I am the handmaiden of the Lord. You know, she says yes, basically. And I feel like that's a, just the fact, you know, when you're telling me that, I'm thinking I'm trying to put myself in your shoes thinking, what's it like for the Lord to put you in these positions that you never thought you would do? And he will, but you also have to have to step up and do it. So, so I think that's awesome that you did that. And then look what's happened. Look at the doors that opened, you know? Yes. Amen. Amen. And, you know, it's funny because I say to people all the time, um, God doesn't call, call the qualified. <laughs> He qualifies the call. Yeah. And, um, you know, people who know me know I'm a plumber. So <laughs> they call me the pipe padre, you know, and I think that handle came because uh, in the community that I work, uh, they know I do Catholic radio on Sundays with Bishop Sheen and the Rosary. 
but I fix pipes for a living. So the term, the pipe padre, <laughs> um, you know, became my radio handle. And so I, I love yeah, it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I fumble through it, I stutter, I do all kinds of stuff. But, you know, when we started the Fiat Ministry Network back many years ago, 2013, uh, it was that inspiration of Our Lady. She said yes. And I tell you, uh, we are a funny punch uh, here at Fiat Ministry Network. Uh, again, not movie star looks or anything like that, but yet uh, we gave. Uh, God, our yes, just as Mary did. Yeah. And that's why it's called the Fiat Ministry Network. So I love it. Uh, this is beautiful. Uh, now, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the rosary because we got on okay. this topic yeah. of the rosary. And, um, you know, I fell into this, you know, situation of doing the rosary because someone, you know, couldn't make it. And I just all of a sudden started to do it. Uh, yes, I, there was reservations. But after a while, that whole saying, if not you, then who? Uh, yeah, okay, put me in, Lord, I'll do it. And so uh, it's an absolute labor of love. And I think for yourself, uh, you're getting to be known as the uh, founder and uh, cheerleader of the Rosary Crew, uh, which is a regular meeting uh, every day on um, on YouTube and other social medias. Now, it's not every day. I think it's six days a week. It's uh, every day. Every it's every day. day. Every yep. day. Wow. Yeah. I, I always thought you took one day off. I always we thought... Don't. We, I, what I do is on Saturdays, and I just started doing this, Okay. On Saturdays, I, I give myself the option to do it at a different time ah. based on what I have going on that day because we do it at five central. Um, and sometimes on and that's kind of a that's a decent time during the work week. But on a weekend, that will really mess up your whole weekend. <laughs> if if mm -hmm. wherever you are, you have to be back at a computer or whatever at five o'clock. So sometimes I'll say, oh, well, hey, I'll do it early in the morning so then I can have the rest of the day. But no, we do it every single day. Right. Okay. So you have a YouTube channel and it's getting a good following, but on that YouTube channel, you have a number of shows, but the Rosary Crew is one of your featured shows. So tell us how you got into that and what it's, um, where, where you're taking it. And uh, sure. again, I, I join you every, every day because yeah, five I see you in there. Yeah. Five o'clock is it's six o'clock my time, but it's perfect because, um, you know, I eat early and I eat often. Okay. But, uh, I'm ready to go because this is just like at home, we'd have supper at five and then we'd have rosary at six. Oh, perfect. So, uh, your schedule is perfect. I have supper at five and rosary at six with you. And, uh, again, sometimes there's, uh, you know, 500 people in your, your little thing. And I'm going, this is awesome. This is it's, awesome. It's insane. Yeah. 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 So, like for me, I started, you know, I, I never intended to start a YouTube channel at all. I, I, I gave a talk and somebody sent me the recording of it. The talk was called What's So Great About Being Catholic? And I just gave this talk. It was about a half an hour talk in front of about 80 people in a church par parish hall or whatever. And the guy sent me the video and I just parked it on YouTube and never thought about it again. And then when I gave a talk in my church, um, I did the same thing. And you know, over a few months, it just began to, and I think it was because of my friends in the Philippines, actually, somebody in the Philippines shared it on this Facebook page and just hundreds of shares. And pretty soon it had, you know, a lot of light. And I thought, well, I better, better start thinking about making videos. So I was, you know, working and doing jobs and everything and making videos on Sundays. My wife and I would make a video every Sunday about different ideas or whatever. And, you know, that's, that's what we'd been doing. Well, when the pandemic hit, uh, I had just come back from a trip to Louisiana where I preached at a parish event there. And that was on like the 16th of March. When I got back on March 18th, I just jumped on YouTube after, after um, mass 
and I made a live stream and I just said, Hey, how's everybody doing out there? Um, I didn't expect really anybody to be on the channel. There was a few people on there and somebody, I didn't even know who it was said, Hey, we should pray the rosary together during this quarantine. Now, back then that quarantine was 14 days to slow the spread. Okay. And I thought to myself, okay, we'll do this for 14 days, you know, basically until this quarantine is over. I'd never led the rosary before. I had prayed it myself with an app that I use on my phone. And I would, I was praying it pretty much every day for, for a while. And I really loved it, but I'd never led it. I'd been asked to lead it in front of churches and stuff. And I would say, no, I can't do that. I'll mess it up. I, I don't, cause I'd noticed sometimes people pray it differently in different places. And I was afraid of like messing something up. So I was like, no way, I'm not doing that. So I was totally intimidated and freaked out when it was time to pray the road. I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured out the technology. We did a live stream and um, that's how it began. And before I knew it, we had hundreds of people and it, it's just become this, this incredible thing. So here we are almost nine months later, we've prayed it every single day for nine months almost. And we have people from 60 countries that tune in. We've got somewhere between three and 5,000 people every day that are either live or, or are praying with us on the re on the replay on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and, and wherever else. And it's just become this incredible community and incredible friendships have been formed. People pray for each other in the chat. They know each other. People from churches have been, I mean, there's so many miraculous stories of, there was one time a girl reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'm trying to become Catholic. I don't know anybody. I'm working really hard at this, but I, I'm just kind of lonely with this. You know, what do you suggest? And I put out a thing on, on the rosary. I'm like, who, who else is in this particular town? Turns out there were two people in the rosary crew from her parish and they'd never met before. And boom. I, I mean, it's just been incredible. So that's really like the, the central part of what I do now is, is devoted to that. And I am so blown away by it. I love it so much. And it's, it's incredible how I never in a million years would have thought that I would have been doing that. Um, but it's, it's, it's been my privilege and my honor. I absolutely love doing it and who knows how long we'll go. I mean, I, I can't even, I can't imagine ever not doing it now, but. Yeah. I mean, it's your lane, it's your lane. And this is what, uh, you know, people call me all the time and say, Al, I have a podcast idea that I want to do. I want to, you know, have a ministry, and I would just say, you have to just stay in your lane, stay in the lane that you're comfortable in. And uh, Keith, you're in your lane because um, you know, the way you pray the rosary, I love it. It's you're, well, you're you, humble man. and um, you know, you're following. And I, you, sometimes again, I have to have the cue cards. Like I, you know, when I lead the rosary, uh, I still have the prayers in front of me and yes. And a priest, you I know, have that. Yeah. I have this book. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, people don't expect this to be natural. I mean, a priest still continues to have the book on the altar when he says the mass. And I'll talk to many priests. I say, well, you must've said that a million times, father, you've got it memorized. He says, no, I need the book in front of me to, you know, say the mass. And I know I need the prayers in front of me to say the rosary. Um, you know, it's amazing how many times you'll go and you'll get behind a microphone and you don't have it with you. And then you don't even know how to say the glory of Peter. You know, <laughs> that so, scares me yeah. to death about it. I'm, I, and I've made, I've made plenty of mistakes doing it. Yeah. And like today, I forgot to pray the St. Michael, the Archangel prayer at the end, which we always do. And somebody in the chat was like, hey, you forgot that prayer. I was like, oh, thank you. 
you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's, it's also helped me to grow just personally because when you step, you know, you talk about being in your lane, this is, this was not ever going to be my lane. You know, I like right. to preach. I like to make, I like to, to, to create messages and do things. And, and a, a prayer like the rosary has sort of been a different a pivot for me, but I, I love it. But what it's, what it's also challenged me and is the Lord's given me this ministry in an area where I would consider myself extremely weak. And, um, that's what he's used. Like the things that I feel more confident in that's kind of decreased. And the things that I felt weakest in he's, he's elevated, um, by his, for his glory. So it's just been, it's just been incredible. Right. And, you know, I have to give, um, full marks to the blessed Virgin Mary because, uh, she works where, where her, um, you know, uh, sons that need a lot of work and she takes the time to work with us. And, um, again, I have this Marian devotion and of course this Marian apostolate. Um, and I always think why me, but she says, why not you? And uh, she's always working on us. So I appreciate what you're doing uh, with the rosary crew. But, uh, what I really appreciate is as you're praying, because you have this great love of scriptures and you've spent a good amount of time in the scriptures because you preached, uh, in your, you know, in the churches that you, uh, were pastor of, uh, you bring many scripture passages to the meditations and you fill in the gaps nicely. And so I appreciate that. And I really love your uh, YouTube presentations about unpackaging the mass. Oh yeah. And, unpacking the mass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I think, uh, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical of many of our priests, but sometimes people will say, you know, I, I'm looking for a better homily or a better uh, unpackaging of the scriptures, a commentary. I want to say Bible commentary. Sure. And uh, so you give a beautiful Bible commentary each week about the Sunday mass readings. Now, again, many of our priests give great homilies, sure. great uh, things, but a lot of times more is better. Right. Well, um, that, yeah. that was, that's my lane. Like if you were to say to me, what do you feel most comfortable doing? Um, you know, it would be, it would be expositing the scriptures and, 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 and making practical. Now I'm not a scholar. I'm not like a deep theologian that is, you know, um, or my head's in the clouds or whatever. I, 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 I try, what I try to do is take everything and, you know, we'll talk about the podcast in a minute, but, but is take everything that we're learning in the scriptures and that we're doing with our faith and, and figure out how to connect it to your heart and connect it to your life. So I, I like to be extremely practical. So that's like, my thing is I like to take the scripture readings and then here's what the, here's what God is trying to say to us. And then here's what we're supposed to do with it. It's really not that complicated, but I, I think people get freaked out by it, but I love doing that. Um, so on Sunday nights after the rosary crew that we just roll right into unpacking the mass and it's not, I mean, it's only about 30 to 40 minutes, but we just do. And I don't like prepare a big thing for it because I don't want it to feel like, I don't want it to feel like that. I don't want it to be like, Oh, this is a sermon or a big message. I, I want to just sort of have like a dialogue almost. And where it's my reaction to, cause you know, the truth is 99% of the time, when we are doing unpacking the mass, I haven't even read those scriptures until like five minutes before, because I attend the Latin mass and, and we're on a different calendar. So we have different scripture readings. So, so it's not like I go on Sunday morning and hear a homily and go, okay, I'm going to use that. Um, I, I go, and I hear a completely different reading. So when I, when I get ready for unpacking the mass, I'll take about 10 minutes ahead of time, look over the readings, maybe read a commentary by um, Scott Hahn or John Bergsmer or somebody like that. And, and just kind of, throw a couple thoughts together and 
just boom, do that, you know? Um, but I, I appreciate that. And now that's, been, that's getting put on the radio here in, in Iowa, which is, which is awesome. It's live, which kind of freaks me out because I don't, I can't edit it. I can't go, Oh, that was a disaster. Do that again. It's just boom right there. Broadcast live to a couple hundred thousand people probably. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, the Lord is always uh, humbling us. That's what I love about this is, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you can't take it back. It goes out, it's, you're done. It's... You can't take it back. I mean, I love sometimes doing a canned radio show because I can do all the edits and all this. Oh stuff. man, it's, I know. But when you go live, you know, that that's humility right there. And uh, of course it's one of those things, but uh, again, your YouTube channel is um, again, starting to develop um, what I like to call has four distinct areas. Um, you know, there's a catechesis side, there's a rosary side, a prayer side, uh, there's an opinion side. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I, I just watched your interview with Matt Swain. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And again, it was very informative, just, uh, you know, the challenges of uh, welcoming, um, you know, new Catholics into the church. And uh, you were just speaking from the heart with Matt. And uh, I recommend everybody to watch that video. And uh, not just that one video, there's, there's literally dozens in each one of your playlists. So um, I think after we're done here, please go on to Keith Nuster's uh, YouTube channel and his website and his Facebook page. And uh, there'll be a lot and it's uh, stuff that you can share with friends and family. I like to say it's family friendly, uh, you know, pre-approved stuff, which is excellent. So um, what I wanted to know is that some people always say, okay, Keith, is he with a ministry that I can donate to? Uh, what's the umbrella? So I think people are always asking that question when we bring guests on the show. Uh, there's always that opportunity where we ask and just say, you know, please, if you like this ministry, please support it. So Keith, tell us a little bit about your structure. And sure. uh, I know we've heard down to earth ministries, mm -hmm. but uh, explain everything to our viewers at home. So down to earth is the, the ministry that I started, which really it's kind of, it's kind of a weird way to say it because it sounds like, you know, when you say, Oh, I have a ministry, it's just me. Like down to earth is basically at, at the core level, right? It's just me. Um, and down to earth comes from John six thirty eight, where Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but of him who sent me. And the idea behind down to earth is communicating the truths of the Catholic faith in an impactful, challenging and clear manner. So I started working with, with, uh, this idea of down to earth, and through my friend Devin, I got connected with a, with a ministry called Stewardship, a mission of faith. And what Stewardship, a mission of faith is, it's, it's, an, um, it's a, a ministry umbrella that has within it, so we, we call ourselves a family of ministries. And Stewardship is sort of the, 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 the universe that we live in. So Stewardship supports us and helps us. And there's a team of people that work with us to help assist us and guide us in our ministries. So like we have down to earth as a family is part of the family. Devin Shad's ministry, the fathers of St. Joseph, there's a ministry called spirit power with Marty Rotella, who's a, who's a musician. And then there's a ministry called integrity restored with Jim O'Day. That's a, like a men's um, pornography recovery ministry. And then of course, stewardship has plenty of other things that, that we do um, just on top of all that. And it's been it's been an incredible relationship that I have with them. They have done so much for me and have helped me in so many ways. And really, I mean, like it's a dream come true. What, what they have, what they have done. They, they came alongside me when I was really starting to try to figure this out. And they said, look, if you let us handle the back end and, and, and trust us with that, we're going to do what we can 
to set you free so you can just focus on creating content and and doing your ministry so that that's what they've done and i mean i the people there they're they're truly family they're they're amazing so we have stewardship is the umbrella mission and then down to earth is my piece my part of that family of ministries and again, we are going to encourage everyone to, uh, you know, come and visit and sample. And uh, again, for a lot of you, this is the first time that you've come in contact with Keith. Uh, but trust me, he is hungry for more approved. So uh, again, any friend of Devin is a friend of mine. So uh, that's how Appreciate I look that. at it. But, and we'll pray for the intercession of uh, the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen uh, for your ministry. I know that you're looking for a videographer and uh, you've got plans for uh, a number of projects in the future. So we'll pray that you uh, find the right mix and the right fit. And of course, that uh, God will continue to bless your many projects. So, um, uh, you know, this hour goes by so quickly. It sure does. Um, and uh, again, we'll have to have you back on Hungry for More, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity to have the last word. It's like, uh, you know, we talked about the Rosary Crew. We talked about some of the other shows on your YouTube channel, but is there anything else in your heart, uh, Keith, that you want to share with our audience at home today? Sure. So um, just as far as like um, stuff I'm doing, you know, you mentioned that that episode with Matt Swain. That's part of a thing called Catholic Feedback, which is my podcast. So I have the videos on the YouTube channel, but then I also have an audio podcast that goes out to all the podcast places. but I recorded video of it so I could put it on YouTube as well. So Catholic Feedback exists to, to connect the eternal truths, the Catholic faith to everyday life. So what I would what I would ask all you guys that are watching is if you have any questions about any part of Catholicism that's sort of like out there for you that you're like, how do I make this real in my life? How does it connect? Send those questions to me at feedback at catholicfeedback.com. And I, I'll go through those. Like I just, you know, I just finished up an episode that will drop next week on indulgences, you know, and a lot of people are like, where, and so that was a question that was brought to me. So I'm really excited about that. And really, man, I tell you what, once, once we get out of this pandemic, I can't wait to come see all you guys, especially all my friends over in Australia and the Philippines. That'll be amazing. I can't wait to and, and up in Canada too. I was supposed to be in Canada this year, but we all know how that went. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll show you a good time up in Canada. I <laughs> so, bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, you know, people always ask me about what's behind me and they kind of say, Oh, cause they know Hockey. that this is, this is my Toronto Maple Leaf Jersey that, um, um, Curtis Joseph used to be our goalie. And when they traded Curtis Joseph, I was very upset. And so I put Jesus Mary above Curtis Joseph's ah, name. That's so cool, so, Alan. So when I go to hockey games, people always just, it's the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So uh, That is so awesome. You should, you should make like merch with that on it. I know we should. Uh, the Highlanders is my son's uh, alma mater, St. Gregory's Academy okay. in, Scrant in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, a fraternity of St. Peter's School. And I tell you, uh, again, great four years there. My son, uh, they were state rugby champions, state uh, soccer champions, and there's only 60 boys that go to their school. Uh, but they live wow. and breathe uh, their faith and sports and uh, rhetoric and logic and all that good stuff. And uh, it's amazing what they're doing there. So a uh, shout out to all the Highlanders uh, at St. Gregory's Academy in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And of course, the plug for my work clothes. I love yes, it. Man. So uh, oh, and the so Knights, cool. Knights of Columbus, Knights on Bikes, got to send a shout out to all my fellow you know, members of the Knights on Bikes and the Knights of Columbus. So again, we're feeling sharing the love today. So amen. Amen. That's great. Yeah. Everybody, of course, uh, my YouTube channel, 
Uh, I've been doing Sheen for Advent, Sheen for Christmas. So uh, we've been uh, recorded a number of reflections and uh, people are just enjoying the short three minute Christmas inspirations by Fulton Sheen. And it was a labor of love. I just got behind the camera and the microphone and recorded uh, these, uh, you know, classic Sheen meditations. So, uh, and we've been going through the book, Lord Teach Us to Pray, kind of our book study for Advent. So uh, just, you know, find me on bishopsheentoday.com and uh, give it a watch and uh, just again, pray with us. And so uh, pray with me with Fulton Sheen and pray with uh, my good friend, <laughs> Keith Nestor, uh, the Rosary Crew. And uh, you'll find me there five, five, five o'clock central uh, every day praying the rosary. So I'd ask you to join me uh, with that. So uh, everyone, we're going to end with a prayer uh, invoking the intercession of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And I'll have my producer, Kent Kohalski, bring up uh, the picture of Fulton Sheen, who uh, we just celebrated the anniversary of his death on December the 9th. And so, uh, again, many people uh, tuned into the live mass and uh, said many prayers of thanksgiving. So uh, please join me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. If it be according to your will, glorify your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, by granting the favor we now request through his prayerful intercession. And here we pray for God's blessing on Keith Nestor and his ministry. And we ask the good Lord to continue to uh, help all those who are struggling uh, during this time of uh, the pandemic and all the closures. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray that the churches uh, will be open for Christmas. It's, yes. um, it's heartbreaking to hear the news of, of lockdowns and uh, restrictions. But uh, again, the church has seen times like this before. And uh, the church will survive. What is that famous scripture? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So uh, have faith, my friends. So Keith, thank you for joining us on Hungry for More. And everyone, until next time, stay hungry, stay holy, and we'll see you next time on the Fiat Ministry Network. God love you. Are you looking for a way to deepen your prayer life and faith this Advent season? A Contemplative Las Posadas by Bill Snyder is a novena that offers reflections based on the traditional Mexican devotion that reenacts the journey of Saint Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The ecclesiastically approved devotional is available for purchase for only $4.99 on our website, patchworkheart.org, or emailing info at patchworkheart.org.